Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is April the 5th, 2021. This is episode 2850 of the Survival Podcast. It's a topic roundtable. Uh, a lot of times on Mondays we do listener feedback. None of this is really direct listener feedback. This is all stuff that's been asked about, talked about, thrown around for the past couple of weeks. I'm going to follow up on something from last week when I had uh, Judson Somerville on uh, with his, about his book, The Optimal Dose About D3. I was asked some pretty specific questions about what I recommend from a supplement standpoint. Uh, there is a really dangerous area you can get into as a public personality with combining things when it comes to um, supplementation and disease and illness and are you giving medical advice and all. And there are certain things just need total separation. So I'm going to go through my personal supplement regimen this today. I'm going to tell you what I take and my personal reasoning behind why I take it. It is not a recommendation, but it's for your information to know what I do so you can make your own decisions for yourself. And that's the only way I can do that without risking being fined or thrown in club fed. And I've said this before, I ain't going to club fed. It's very easy for people to say, just do what you know is right or whatever, when you're not the one going to club fed. All right, <laughs> I'm not doing it. Um, there are certain things you can do when you're not in business that you can get away with, that when you have a target on your back because you run a business in a public spotlight, and you're a public personality that can get you in a lot more trouble. So I have to be careful about how I do this. Um, next, I'm going to talk about why I think low-carb, keto, paleo, or something such as this is more important than any of the supplements you could take. I personally am a keto fan. I believe in the, that, that is the proper human diet in the words of Dr. Ken Berry. However, I think that almost every uh, meal plan, diet, way of eating, lifestyle, however you want to call it, that eliminates processed foods, sugar, and excess starches is likely to make you live a longer, healthier, happier life, more so than any supplement you could possibly take. Then I'm going to talk about COVID for a little bit. Just one thing I want to talk about with COVID. Well, I got two, but the other one's toward the end. Uh, I'm going to talk about what I'm calling the inconvenient truth of COVID. And this is for nations that think they did a really good job managing it. They locked down super-duper, super-duper for real. They masked up, they, 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 they put people in you know, plexiglass boxes, whatever they did, they did manage to knock the infection rate down more so than countries like the United States, um, and they're claiming that they did everything right and it's victorious. We can ignore for a minute that they've totally screwed their economies, and they're in way worse shape economically than we are, despite what we did to ourselves. However, there's something that is is going to happen in these countries. And there's no way out of it, and the vaccines are not going to prevent it. And I'm going to tell you what it is today. Next, uh, two things on, um, actually three things on, on crypto. I'm going to kind of combine them, but they're all several bullet points in the nose. Coinbase is going public, and it looks like a Bitcoin ETF is imminent. Like that's going to happen really, really soon. And why I think that means that crypto is just about to explode. That's good news. Um, I'm going to talk about how pirate chain or pirate chain like cryptocurrencies 
are going to become the way to erase the past of Bitcoin. See, right now, if you get a Bitcoin, everything that was ever connected to that Bitcoin is now connected to you if it's ever known that you have that Bitcoin. But what if that Bitcoin just came from an exchange yesterday? That's what Pirate Chain effectively allows you to do. And with a no KYC exchange, especially like something like a DEX exchange, like a Polarity, it allows you to basically have Bitcoin sitting on an address that's not associated with you. That's There's no association with you or anything about you in the past either. And even if you want to be above board with it, no, I bought it or I exchanged for it on this day. That's when this Bitcoin started. Because that's effectively what a privacy crypto kind of swap does. Um I also want to talk real quick about this issue with library being sued by the federal government and why I have mixed emotions about it. Like, I think the government is scum here and shouldn't be doing it. And I don't believe that library and Jeremy Kaufman did anything wrong. However, I'm not exactly in love with the, the, the way that they're fighting back, the terminology being used, because I think it's a little bit over the top with reality. And I'll explain why. So I'll tell you why. I'm definitely on, on I'm on team library here, but I'm not exactly a fan of the play that was called with we have to save crypto. Because I don't think that's what's at stake here at all. And no one from libraries reached out to me to explain to me how that actually is the case. And I haven't seen the case made. I've just seen the terminology used and that's an appeal to emotion and I'm not a big fan of appeal to emotion. Um then I want to talk a little bit about Why I think the COVID pandemic, and that's what I'm calling it, a pandemic, is going to backfire, especially vaccine passports. And I want to finish up with when I say, or what I feel is that people that do not want to get the vaccine, you call them anti-vaxxers if you want to, but a lot of people that are okay with regular vaccinations, smallpox, polio, whatever, right? We don't really vaccinate for smallpox anymore, but you know what I mean? People that are like the general run-of-the-mill vaccines that have been around forever, they're okay with them. They're still not okay with this vaccine. And I'm going to tell you that I think the resistance opinions are based on facts, And the pro-vax arguments for this are based on nothing but faith. And when I lay this out for you, and I'm going to tell you about a conversation I had this weekend with my brother-in-law. I think it'll be very hard for you to disagree with me on this. You may still choose to have faith in the COVID vaccine, and if you do, I believe in freedom. And if you want to go get an experimental uh, gene therapy, they're calling a vaccine, which is a fact. I didn't say gene-altering, by the way, but an experimental genetic therapy that they're calling a vaccine so they can have vaccine protections, and you want to do that fully informed because you believe the source of the information, go ahead. But I'll have some interesting questions for you. All that and more in just a minute. Before we do, let's go ahead and uh, take care of our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day, number one today, is Ridge Wallet. Look, guys, I really recommend that you give the Ridge Wallet a shot. It will protect your identity because all these cards now have these RFID chips in it. There's technology. It's very inexpensive, very accessible technology where you can literally suck data off of people's RFID cards. So when you get that new bank card, it's got a little fancy emblem in it, and you can tap it to pay and stuff like that. That data is there, and it is available to be stolen. And there are some other security measures in place, but it's been proven that it can be stolen, and it can be used. Well, if you put it inside a Ridge wallet, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. So you got the identity protection. It's also just a minimalist way to carry the things that you need, and it works fantastically. 
I've been doing it now, carrying it now myself for three years. I love it. I'm never going back to the billfold. Next up today, Backwoods Home Magazine was a real easy sponsor to say yes to when they wanted to sponsor the show because I've only been reading them, only, since 1990. When I got out of the Army, in, or sorry, 1993. When I got out of the Army in 1993, uh, I found Backwoods Home Magazine at Barnes & Noble's Booksellers when people actually used to go to bookstores. I used to go sit in those great big chairs and buy a big old latte or a cup of coffee or something and read books all day long. I was in a library, and as long as I spent some money there, I didn't feel bad about it. And one of the publications I found on the magazine rack was Backwoods Home Magazine. I was like, where has this been my whole life? And I've been reading it since then. They were the first magazine I ever subscribed to as a grown adult. I'm still a subscriber today, and it is 2021. 1993 to 2021. Yeah, I kind of endorse them. It's not real hard to do. All right, with that, let's... Uh, Let's start digging into things. I want to start out with the quote of the day. This was by Andy Rooney. And I want you to hold on to this quote till toward the end of the show when I talk about my conversation with my brother-in-law and why I say we are we who are opposed to the vaccine for our own personal use are basing our opinions, they are opinions, but we're basing them on facts versus faith. But Andy Rooney once said, people will generally accept facts as truth only if the facts agree with what they already believe, Andy Rooney. Now, here's the thing. You might use that to push back against the arguments I'm going to give you toward the end of today's show. So, well, you're only accepting those facts because they agree with what you already believe. Well, then you're presupposing to know <laughs> how I came to my conclusion. The truth is I examined the facts. I remained open to the fact. I was saying way back around this time last year when they were all talking about a vaccine, they may be able to pull this off. If you remember, I, I said exactly this. We have had a vaccine for a coronavirus variant similar to this for dogs and poultry for 10 years. And we can modify that vaccine and we can make it work for humans. And there's no reason that it can't confer immunity and resistance to the illness if we do it right. Okay? So I said that. And then I watched these companies develop this mRNA technology and do so in a way where they come out and flatly say, hey, um, it doesn't prevent infection, and it doesn't prevent spread, and you still have to wear a mask, and blah, 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 blah. So my opinion, and I'm getting ahead of myself there by saying that, but my opinion comes from the facts versus my opinion being supported by facts. All right. However, I think this is an interesting thing, that you can give people facts, and they will discount facts if they disagree with their opinion. See, the facts, when you're talking about fact, you're talking about truth. Not opinion. And people, there are people who are you know, such postmodernists or whatever, they don't believe there's anything as, such as a, a true fact or a true absolute truth. I think those people are somewhat self-deluded. I really do. I understand the mindset of doubting everything and then coming to the best possible conclusion. I think that makes sense. But there are facts. Here would be an example of a fact. There are two, four, six, seven fish tanks in front of me right now. That is a fact. Even though you can't verify it, It is a fact. And you probably know me well enough to know why the hell would he lie about that. There's seven fish tanks in front of him right now. That's a fact. Inside one of those fish tanks is a really big plecoctomus. That's a fact-ish like statement, right? There is a pleco in there. Is it large? I guess that's relative to what you think makes a large pleco. But if I tell you there's a pleco in that tank that is approximately eight inches long, that is a fact. I don't know it's exactly eight inches, but I look at it right now, I'm a pretty good estimator, and it's about eight inches long. 
you certainly wouldn't call it a lie or a distortion of the truth. If you could see the guy sitting there hanging on to the filter, sucking on it right now, you'd, you'd say that's a fact. So if we can have facts that, that we can verify, then we have facts that are facts. And when I tell you about why I'm not getting a COVID vaccine, everything I tell you about the background information will be a fact. And I find it interesting that people who don't like those facts get angry when you present them to them and how little they have of their own that are actually facts. Anyway, moving on from there, I just want to say that one again. People will generally accept facts as truth only if the facts agree with what they already believe. But the truth is the truth, folks, regardless of whether you believe it or not. Um, real quick, I want to let you know the MSB is on sale all week till midnight Monday next week. And then it goes away like a fart in the wind. And my, my stance on sales is when they're over, they're over. When you email me and say, I forgot and my dog ate my discount code or whatever, I'm sorry. If I don't have that stance, sales don't mean anything. That just means you can have a special price whenever you want. The price I'm offering right now on the member support brigade is $35 a year, which is $15 off, and it does apply to recurring. And if you're a member whose membership has expired and you want to renew, you can log into your account and add a subscription, and you can get that price. And if you've never been a member before and you have a new account, you can get that price. The discount code is I want 35 and it's the number 35. So no spaces, I, W-A-N-T, 35. Use that discount code when you sign up. You get 35 bucks a year for life as long as you stay a member. Uh, if you're an existing member, I'm not AT&T. I'm not being a dick. It just it doesn't work. I can't let you renew early. The software doesn't do it. The payment gateways don't do it. If I could, if I could let you convert, I would. So it's an, and if anybody really, 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 really wants to, you can get in touch with me. And there's a manual process where we can cancel your auto bill. You pay manually. And then you can add a subscription when you expire or, or, or whenever, and, and I will take care of it. But it's not easy. I'll just say that. But $35, bucks, as promised. That's why I said don't join last week. I said, well, you guys buy email even. I said don't join last week. I'll also let you know I do take cryptocurrency, and I have a deal that I offer everybody that has to pay with cryptocurrency that's just a tiny bit better if you pay for three years. So if you want to pay for one year, it's $35, bucks, cryptocurrency, done. Right? But whenever somebody offers to pay with crypto, I offer to do three years for a hundred bucks in crypto. So that's $33 a year. So that's available as well. All right. Now I want to talk a little bit about my core supplement routine and I want to explain to you, um, that there's part of this you won't know because it's very specific to me. In other words, you may not take the other side of this, even though what I'm going to give you is pretty extensive. I work with Dr. Stephen Lewis at Green Wisdom Health. He is also one of our uh, MSB discount providers, and you can get a great discount on all his supplements and services um, if you use that discount code. And I really recommend that if you want to improve your health, you get with Dr. Lewis, you have your blood levels for everything checked, and then you take supplementation based on your needs versus what somebody says you should do. Okay? So that's the, uh, that's the, the part you're not going to hear about, though. Some of this I did get on because of him. Some of this I can get from him, and at times do. At times he's out of stock. So the links I have in the notes are the brands that I tend to use from Amazon. The only exception to that is I always get my multis from Dr. Lewis, my multivitamins. And so I have a brand I would use if I couldn't. He's never been out of them, so 
Uh, everything else, uh, some of the stuff that I get from Amazon is because he doesn't have what I want, what I've done my own research on, what I want to take. So the D3K2 combination is an example of that. Uh, his is great. It just, I can't do the ratio that I'm looking for with it. And I can't do the MK4, which I'll talk about in a second on a variant on the K2. So starting off, I'll give you the stuff that I take and I would take anyway if it wasn't for COVID, but I consider this boosting my personal immune system. I'm not saying it does. I'm saying I believe I'm boosting my personal immune system in regards to COVID-19 and other viruses as well. Specifically, any virus of the mRNA replicating type because of the action of zinc in the human cell. First of all, I take quercetin. And at one time, I was taking 500 milligrams twice a day. That's four tablets of the, of the brand that I recommend. Um, and I now take 250 milligrams morning and evening of that, 250 milligrams twice a day. And I take the quercetin because it is a natural antiviral, and it is an ionophore for zinc. And this is why hydroxychloroquine was theorized and probably does work for the treatment of COVID-19 in that hydroxychloroquine is also an ionophore for zinc. And if you put zinc in the human cell, which is difficult to do without an ionophore, you can take an ass load of zinc and very little gets inside your cells. All right. Um, but if you get the ionophore with it and you get zinc in the cells, it shuts down or greatly inhibits mRNA viral replication. This is known science. This is old science. There's nothing hokey-dokey, spooky-wooky here. Why did I drop from 500 twice a day to 250 twice a day? Because I've built it up in my system over time. Of course, certain takes time to build up in your system. You may want to go with a higher dose when you start out. It takes a few weeks to really build it up in your system, um, and then you can use a lower maintenance dose. The 500 twice a day is the maximum safe dose according to like WebMD and stuff like that. Please Always consult with your healthcare practitioner about counterindications of any substance whatsoever and make sure you do your own research on the, the, the amount you take. I also take zinc and copper. Okay, when you take zinc consistently large amounts, you know, heavier amounts than, than would be in a typical multivitamin, let's say, which is like 50 milligrams a day is a pretty significant amount of zinc. Um, it competes in the gut with copper for absorption. And long-term zinc supplementation can lead to a copper deficiency. And it's, it's generally about 50 milligrams of zinc. You should take two micrograms of copper. I think that's the ratio. Whatever it is, the, the brand I recommend has it. Okay? And so I have a link in the show notes today of the zinc copper I take. I found this easier than taking zinc and copper. Reduced the pill. It wasn't that much more expensive, and it was the right ratio. I've only found one brand that has a highly absorbable zinc with the right ratio of additional copper to it for, for long-term supplementation. That's why I picked it. I didn't pick it because I think they're the greatest brand on the planet. I picked them because they have the right ratio, because what I want to do is possible. Uh, I think most supplements are decent. I think all this shit about, you know, you can't absorb it or whatever. Okay, there's certain minerals that you need, like either a chelated or uh, a different form of to be highly absorbable. But in general, most supplements are decent. I don't get real squirrely about this unless there's, like, I don't like a multivitamin, a great big solid pill. I want something that's going to be, like, because you can literally crap the damn thing out almost the way it went in in some cases. So I like when I can. I like to use a capsule um, that has a powder in it. 
with most supplements because I know you're going to get a better absorption just from that alone. Uh, so I do the zinc copper. I do vitamin D3. Now, this is where my dose that I personally take is well above what is recommended by the government and by most physicians. And I really recommend you read Dr. Somerville's book to know more about it. And I absolutely think if you're taking D3 at elevated doses, you should regularly, which I think is for me is about every six months, have your vitamin D3 blood levels checked. But I believe we are, we are flat out, if you want a pandemic that we're in, It's a D3 deficiency because of modern lifestyles, and it leads to a lot of other problems, and I, I invite you to listen to Dr. Somerville's interview last week. And I want to say something about that interview. Somebody made a really nasty comment about the way his voice sounded. Um, I didn't say anything at the time because I don't want people to take it every – if you read Dr. – and I know he isn't okay with people knowing this because he put it in his book. Dr. Somerville is confined to a wheelchair. He's paralyzed from the waist down, and, it, and that is because he had a severe, serious accident while he was in medical school. Or I actually think he was in his internship when it happened. He was already out of med school. And so if you're a person that is dealing with paralysis for their entire life and he's getting up there in years, you can have problems beyond what we would normally think of. And that's probably why, but I don't know. But anybody making that nasty comment just wants to be a dick. Anyway, um, I really recommend you read his book. I take 10,000 IUs three times a day, so a total of 30,000 IUs of uh, vitamin D3. I do believe... Uh, that you really should be taking K2 to balance D3. D3 moves calcium into your blood, and that's where you can get, like, talking about hypercalcemia and stuff like that. I'm not real worried about that. I can read with Dr. Summerlin, uh, Somerville that um, you are not likely to, like, calcify your organs or anything like that. I do worry about people having calcification in their arteries with elevated D3 levels, right? which you could have during the interim in that six-month period. So I think it's a good safeguard, and K2, I think, is a valuable supplement into itself. And what K2 does really well is it moves calcium out of the blood back into the bones. There's two variants of K2. There's an MK4 and an MK7. Some people have had some arrhythmias, breathing issues, with MK7 variants, and I don't know how to know who will and who won't. My wife seemed to have had that. The only brand that I have found that's pure MK4 on Amazon is the one that I linked to. So this is why I, and I take um, 100 micrograms for every 10,000 I use of D3. This is why I don't buy Dr. Um, um, Dr. Lewis's D3K2 anymore. It ain't personal. And it's a good product. He just does not have that ratio available. It's a com combination of the D3K2, and I believe the K2, when you're if you were taking you know 5,000 or even 10,000 IUs a day, I think the K2 amount is fine. I think if you're taking 30,000 IUs, I think you're taking about twice the K2 you should. That's what I think personally. So I've chosen to break them out into those two supplements, and I also want to stick 100% to the MK4 variant. And since Dorothy had some issues with the MK7 variant, there is no D3K2 with MK4 only that I can find. And if I were making one, I would make a 5,000 IU vitamin D3, right, with a 50 microgram MKK2. 
If that existed, I'd buy it. It doesn't. That's why I put my own together. I also take at least a thousand milligrams three times a day of vitamin C. I just think that's like stupid cheap and really a good idea. And it's just so easily available. You want to take a buffered variety so you don't have any issues with the, uh, the acid. Um, the brand I use is linked in the show notes. And I take that, I take vitamins three times a day, or supplements three times a day. I take it around breakfast time, dinner time, and bedtime. And I take a thousand milligrams of vitamin C every single time. No way it's going to hurt you, and it probably helps a lot. I take a good multivitamin. I do buy mine from Dr. Stephen Lewis, where I get the other things that are personal to me that I won't be recommending to you today. Some things for um, liver support and uh, blood pressure support and things like that. Uh, but I get my multi from him, and you can buy from him even if you're not his patient, so you can look it up on his site. But I also gave you a brand for those that want to use Amazon that I would use as a good multi. And the B-Complex, a brand I would use, and I often do because Stephen Lewis seems to be sold out of his a lot, and the one that I'm recommending is identical in composition to the one that I get from him. So you can buy either from him or from Amazon. And one of the reasons I buy things often on Amazon that I would get from Stephen Lewis is when he's out. If he's out and I need it and someone else has a, like, that's just the way it goes, right? So there you go. That's the supplements I take. It's a little bit long of a, a segment. My belief is that if everybody was on at least the Quercetin Zinc Copper, uh, the D3K2 and C, we would have put this whole freaking COVID thing to bed a long time ago. That's my opinion. All right. Um, I do want to tell you right now, though, that I think for most people, if you had a choice between cut the carbs to almost nothing and get in physical shape or take supplements, do, do, do the diet. The, like, these supplements are like icing on the cake. And the, the one exception I would make is the D3K2. The D3K2, I think, is just so important. Uh, given what I know, especially if you have your blood levels tested and they're low, and you need to have your D levels tested like in the winter. Like people think, well, I have my D levels tested, and I have like 80 nanoliters per, you know, microliters per, per, per nanoliter or whatever. That's great. Yeah, that's pretty good. It really is. You're right. But if you did that in July, that's totally different than what it's going to look like in December. And I think we really do have a pandemic when it comes to D3 deficiency in the world today. We absolutely do. And the only way to fix it is supplementation. You're not going to fix it in most of the country, in most of the Western world, year-round with sunshine. You're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to. And taking 800 or even 5,000 IUs of vitamin D will not move your blood serum level infinity. I'm sorry, it won't. I've seen people do it. I've seen people with low D levels take 5,000 IUs a day for three months, test their levels, and they don't move up. Or if they do, you can explain it by seasonality. It takes a significant amount, and I really recommend that. But I think diet, I think the number one reason that we have dialysis clinics on almost every corner in major cities today is diet. I think the number one reason that we have an epidemic in the United States, a pandemic literally in the world with type 2 diabetes, is diet. And I think it's the only way you can, the type 2 diabetes, period. Type 2 diabetes doesn't just happen to people. Type 2 diabetes, it shouldn't even be called diabetes. It's insulin resistance due to dietary choice. I'm sorry, you can be mad at me if you're a type 2 diabetic and you say, well, I'm not fat. I, I, I would love to see what you eat. I would love to see what you eat, and I bet you have, like, like Ken Berry says, like the Chinamen do, like the little, little pot belly, 
or something like that. You, you're not way overweight, but you have a lot of inter-abdominal fat, and maybe even you wear it well, but I'm sorry, type 2 diabetes is a lifestyle illness, and it's related to diet and metabolic syndrome, same. And we are killing ourselves as a society because we're choosing to eat in a way that human beings are not designed to eat. We're eating food that is not human food. If you can't pick it up in its natural state and eat it, then it is not something you should be eating a lot of. And all of these processed foods just make matters work. Microplastics in our food make matters worse, etc. So please, if you really care about your health, see to the diet as well. Now, I want to talk about COVID a little bit and what I'm calling the inconvenient truth for the nations that think they manage COVID well. There are nations, especially like Australia, New Zealand, which are islands and had a lot more control of people in and out of their country. They did super-duper serial lockdowns, you know. Uh, they, 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 they quadruple masked. They did everything that they could, and they do have lower numbers than the rest of the world. Okay? Fine. You know what? You can't do that forever. You're going to at some, and this is why they don't like nations and states within nations and regions within nations opening up their economies. If everybody shuts down, then everybody is handicapped equally, and it only hurts so bad economically to be shut down. See how that works? When other nations and other regions open up their economies at full bore and begin to profit and begin to grow and begin to develop while other nations sit idly by with their thumbs up their ass, then that decision becomes more costly to them. And that's what's starting to happen, and that's where all the anger and rage comes from. You know, as bad as it is in California, New York, with people leaving, when Texas, Florida, South Dakota, et cetera, open up, even Connecticut opens up. Well, then the problems for states like California, Oregon, Washington, New York, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, et cetera, get worse, right? That's They don't want that, and it also breaks the narrative that you can't do it without everybody dying because things are no worse in Florida or Texas. In fact, they're better than a lot of these other states. A lot of the other places are starting to become, and that's because of the inconvenient truth. We, they told you the truth in the very beginning before all the lockdowns started when they used the term flatten the curve. And then everybody forgot the truth because it didn't match the narrative of controlling society. And the truth is flattening curves do not reduce the number of cases and the overall number of deaths other than they may reduce strain on medical systems and therefore have a little bit higher survival rate because everybody gets treated. But in the end, the curve is either a big sharp curve or a long flat curve with the same number of cases and the same number of relative deaths other than preventing system overload inside the curve. Okay, That's not some shit I made up. That is not my opinion. That is a fact that as soon as you separate the politics of COVID from it and make it any other illness, any epidemiologist would tell you is absolutely a fact that when we look at the study of epidemiology over time, that every single illness follows that curve, right? And that when we take these measures to reduce spread, we don't reduce total cases. We only we only spread it out over a longer period of time. And the only reason we do that is to take strain off medical services. Okay, That's the truth. And again, all the people you believe now, if you don't believe me, all the people you believe now said that in like February last year. 
And then things came, and we just forgot that. You know what that means? That means if you're one of these countries, when you eventually have to open up your economy because you have no choice anymore, you're going to have a surge in COVID cases. And from what we can see right now, the vaccine doesn't prevent infection, and it doesn't prevent spread. Now, you may have, maybe, I don't know, you're trusting a lot here, you may have less bad outcomes, less hospitalizations because of the so-called vaccine that's not a vaccine. I'll hold off on that for a minute, right? But in the end, you're going to have a surge in cases. Australia's going to have a surge in cases. New Zealand's going to have a surge in cases. Or you remain shut down in perpetuity. Those, that's it. And saying, well, no one can come to our country unless they have the vaccine uh, will not prevent that. Because they can still transmit the vaccine. It only takes a couple cases here and there to shoot the whole thing up again. So unless from now on, from here to eternity, every time there's a little cluster, you're going to shut your entire economy down again. Sooner or later, you're going to deal with this. Sooner or later, you're going to deal with this. And everybody has, and everybody will. Right now, the United States is in decline. They're trying to put the virus itself on life support, But in every meaningful way, we're in a long-term sustained decline, and we are very close to hitting natural herd immunity because numbers and math. I already explained it last week. If your country managed to avoid what we went through, you're not. And the vaccine ain't going to get you there. So you'll deal with it. I'm sorry. That's just the way that it is. It's an inconvenient truth. But in my opinion, that's the truth. Um, next, a little two things on uh, Bitcoin and crypto in general, because crypto follows Bitcoin, whether people want to admit that or not. The people that are like still the true believers in Bitcoin cash, man, it's one day going to rise. Okay, fine. Even if you believe that, Bitcoin is the market leader, and as so goes Bitcoin, so goes the industry. Bitcoin is the only trillion-dollar asset in crypto. And Bitcoin is now on the edge of having an ETF. It looks like a company called Grayscale is going to, is, is, as it has stated, they're applying again, and they believe they can get through the regulatory hurdles, and we will have a Bitcoin ETF. And at the same time, Coinbase, which is probably the largest onboarding service to get people from fiat into crypto, is going public. Those two things combined are going to make what has happened in the Bitcoin space look like the very, very beginning, like pre-K. And, and, and eventually the student's going to graduate with a PhD. It is going to literally cause the explosion that I've been talking about for years. The minute you have a legitimate, available, exchange-traded fund that gives direct exposure to Bitcoin, it opens up investment from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars in private funds that are sitting in IRAs and Roth IRAs. And it is only a matter of time before workers, especially millennials who understand this better than older people, begin to clamor to their employers, we want Bitcoin in our 401ks. And once that happens, all bets are off. And it's going to be very difficult. This is why I put the Coinbase thing in it. How can the FTC... Tell Grayscale, no, you can't do a Bitcoin ETF when they're going to permit Coinbase, whose only purpose in life is exchanging fiat and cryptocurrencies back and forth to each other, 
to become a publicly traded company that you can buy stock in? And the answer is they can't. So with those two things triggering this year, I know people are looking at Bitcoin and go, man, how much higher can it go? A lot higher. A lot higher. I think the long-term target price of Bitcoin, the long-term target, and so long-term is five, ten years, is minimum three-quarters of a million dollars per Bitcoin. I know that sounds nuts. I know that sounds insane. But for, for Bitcoin's market cap to equal gold's market cap, which I think is easily obtainable, I think you're in the neighborhood of somewhere around $650,000 of Bitcoin. And there's this belief that people have that there's, there's some point this all has to break. I, I just want to put this in perspective. I think it really bodes you well. And I know he might paint a little bit better picture and he might have a bad opinion of altcoins that maybe is too negative. But I think the case he makes for Bitcoin is incredible. Mike, Michael Saylor's case for Bitcoin. And when you listen to him talk, and you start to realize some of the things he's saying to you are not opinions. They are facts. When he says it took Apple 40 years to become a trillion-dollar asset, it took Amazon 25 years to become a trillion-dollar asset, and it took Bitcoin 11 years to become a trillion-dollar asset. And unlike Apple and Amazon that had all of the kind of momentum behind them and big money and angel investors and all that. Bitcoin started as an idea and some code. And if you measure Bitcoin that way, and this is hard for people to accept, but I'm just, it's, this is again, that's not opinion. If you are talking from an economic standpoint, then there is nothing humans have done more successfully than the Bitcoin network. And all this shit about energy and electricity and mining farms and all, people saying that don't understand the fundamental reality. All of that stuff exists for one All those ASICs, all those computers running all that energy and doing all those calculations, they exist for one purpose, to provide security for the Bitcoin network. And hence, it is a private distributed network that is the most secure network in the world and has ever existed in the world. From a standpoint of, you can see everything, but you can't change anything. You can't hack anything. Nothing like it's ever been built. And those ASICs that are being used to do that, that's pretty much the only thing that they're built to do. And when I look at that, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that we have a private monetary system that people are willing to invest thousands of dollars to become a part of to provide the security and certainty of transactions in the network. And Bitcoin does not need to be able to buy scones to be what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is, and I don't care who says it's not, I don't care how twerk they get about it, when it comes down to it today, Bitcoin is digital gold. And it's about a 100 times more useful than gold to be a reserve for monetary assets. And that's why public money is fixing to blow into it like you've never seen before. Tesla, etc., at just the beginning, these are companies that can move very quickly. If a company like GE or Ford Motor Company, right, if they get something done in a year to a year and a half, they think they've done really, really well. They think that they, that, that required all kinds of special approvals and meetings and self-important people flagellating themselves or whatever to get that done. Not every company has a visionary like Elon Musk at the helm 
They could say, you know what, yeah, <clears throat> we're going to throw a billion and a half in Bitcoin and just do it, especially public companies. That's why Mike Saylor is doing what he's doing. That's why he's giving these people the on-ramp and the way that they can do it with compliance and everything else. And it's going to happen, and it's going to explode, and if you think you're too late, you're not. And that doesn't mean it won't go down in the next five months. It doesn't mean it won't go down in the next year. I don't know. If it's long-term money that you're okay putting aside and forgetting about for the next five years, I don't think there's a thing you can do for yourself economically that is more advantageous than being invested in Bitcoin today. And I think you're looking, I, I agree with Mike Saylor, I think you're looking at minimum if you're a business and you have capital reserves, money, and you're planning your future. When you put your spreadsheet together, you need to put in for how you factor inflation against those reserves of 15%. So if you are, whole, like for you or me, and we have a small business and we have a couple thousand bucks in there, I'm not happy about 300 bucks of value being lost. But it doesn't destroy my company. It doesn't destroy the value to the one shareholder me. If you're a corporation like Apple with like $80 billion in reserve capital. 15% of $80 billion is a shitload of money you're losing that you're burning. Where are you going to put it? Where are you going to put $8 billion right now? Please think about that. If you're, This is a problem corporations have. Like, Sure, they've made a shitload of money off this COVID fiasco. Okay, They really have. The money has rolled up really well. So now they're sitting on capital reserves. What do you do with it? You're going to buy bonds that are negative interest rate bonds, or you're getting 1% on a bond, and you're losing 14 instead of 15? How many countries can you invest in with that kind of money? The United States, Eurozone, I don't know, Australia seems pretty hell-bent on destroying their economy. You don't want to put it in China. You're going to buy commercial real estate? You're going to buy $8 billion or $80 billion worth of commercial real estate while commercial real estate's created? Where can the money go? You're going to buy gold? Really? Because the numbers say that would be a bad play. Maybe some gold, but there's only one place to go. There's only one place to go, almost like it was designed that way. And maybe it is. And maybe it's for their benefit. But you can either participate or not. So just, that's my final yell at you to be part of this for quite a while. And I know some people get mad at me for talking about crypto so much. <sighs> But those of you who took action over the years, a little bit here and a little bit there, all I can say is, aren't you glad I didn't listen to those people? Aren't you glad I didn't listen? Because it would be wrong of me to, to not pay attention to this and to not talk about it. Real quick, I just want to point out that, like, There's going to be a lot of regulation coming into the space over time, specifically going from crypto to fiat and back. That's That gate is going to be where the regulation is. And this is where currencies like Pirate Chain, Monero, and other privacy coins come into play, where you can do a swap and a swap back, and maybe it costs you a little bit of money, but you've basically reset the scales to zero. Now, they may try to regulate that at some point, but it's going to be very difficult to do. It's going to be very difficult to do. Okay. Um, and, yeah, you don't get to see because I can't show you if I want to because the, the blockchain on that particular currency is not, you know, it's like the, the results are zeros. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, this isn't going away. They're not going to be able to stop it, and they're going to have to co-opt it as much as they can. And, and rich people like 
the privacy options as well, and that's why there'll be a door left open for those smart enough to use it. Just saying. Um, now, real quick before we leave co uh, cryptocurrency, and I got a little bit more to say about COVID, and we'll wrap up. I have some mixed emotions about the Fed suing library. Um, if you haven't heard, uh, the Federal Trade Commission is suing library slash Odyssey, our friend Jerry McCoffman and his company, for not for being a cryptocurrency. That's not why. That's not why. Okay? Not because they're at war with crypto, even though they may be. But what they are, what the suit alleges is that library directly sold library credits to investors, including American citizens. And the last part is the key. Can the federal government that library knowingly sold library credits to American investors? And then is it actually a security? Do they comply with KYC, etc.? Here's what I don't like at all about the way libraries handling this. Help us save crypto. As though if they lose this, crypto's dead. I don't like that. And I love Jeremy. But I have a problem with this. I have a problem with this. This is no more true than when the feds tried to sue Ripple for a very similar accusation that people said, oh, crypto's dead. If they No, Ripple's got a problem. But this is about selling directly to investors and is a cryptocurrency, a security, when you do that. How this is going to work out, I don't know. I think library probably has a really good case. The first thing I'd want to see is somebody who says I was harmed by this, if I were on a jury, but federal courts suck for defendants. It's much worse to be prosecuted or sued in a federal co uh, court by the government than in a state, cor uh, state court by the state. St federal... Officials generally get most of what they want in court. And I'm not talking about necessarily a result, but when they say, well, we want to introduce this and we don't want them to be able to introduce that, they generally get what they want. It's a stack deck against you. So I don't like this. I'm willing to do everything I can to support library. I do think you should sign the petition. I don't know what good it'll do. If there's anything we can do in a meaningful way to support Jeremy and his people, fine. But please don't buy into the idea that this is how crypto dies. Because it's it is unless someone wants to reach out to me from there and explain to me where I'm wrong, I think it's a ludicrous assertion. Because plenty of companies create cryptocurrencies, use them in their company, and never sell them direct. Library absolutely did sell library tokens directly to people. But when I tried to buy it on their website, it said if you're from the United States, you can't. So, to me, I think under our law that a company can sell direct to anybody who's not an American citizen or who is an accredited investor. So I, you know, I don't know yet. I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't really know what the case is that's being made by the government other than it's that it's what I, what I said so far. And I do know that that does not mean anything to Bitcoin or Litecoin or any currency that's not been sold directly to investors. And so I, I see a lot of ways to defend this. So what about Microsoft selling game credits? Because those can be exchanged. People sell those on the open market all the time. What about Amazon coins, right? Like, are they a security? Even though Amazon sells them, you see, you see what I'm saying? So I think there's a lot to be unpackaged here. And anything I can do to support library, I will. But it's, it's not 
to protect cryptocurrency. It's to protect the right of a company that's harmed no one to do business in the United States of America, which is supposed to be free. Now, last thing I want to talk about, I want to tell you, I think the COVID, and I, I do, I'm not necessarily in 100% agreeing with the people who created the uh, documentary called The Plandemic, uh, but I think plandemic is really a great term for what COVID is. And I don't necessarily mean the illness itself, but the response to it. I think that in a lot of cases, it wasn't like New World Order and you know, uh, Great Reset initially, where governments, local, regional, state, national, took these measures in the beginning. They didn't know. They didn't know. And for a politician, it is better to have acted and been wrong than to not acted and been wrong. Right, so you, you, you can say we're going to shut this all down, wait and see, and if it works out okay and you let it back open, you tried. And you can always cover your ass. But if you don't, and then there's a surge and you know people are dying in the streets the way that they thought they might, then you're done. And I think that even scumbag politicians have some morality. And I think there's probably a certain weight when you're a governor or a president or even like a mayor or whatever, and thinking, man, if I if I get this wrong, how many people are going to die because of me? Now, there's psychopaths like Como that don't mind sending sick people to you know elder care facilities, knowing it's going to kill more people. But I think a lot of people in that those positions, some of them do have that morality where they're like, I the weight of it. And I think you see it in presidents. Look how much a president ages in four years. It's pretty amazing how much a president ages in that, in that sh relatively short period of time. Um, so I think that that's how it started. But then it was like, oh, wait, look at this. They'll, it's like they're like retards playing Simon Says. They'll do anything we tell them to. Literally, we can tell them to put their thumb up their ass to prevent the spread of COVID, and half the people will be walking around with their hands in their pants and their thumb in their ass, like they're doing an elephant walk or something. And then it was like, well, what can we get done with this? And I think some very malicious things have come since that point. And I think there were people in very high-level positions, both oligarch-type positions and governmental positions and hybrids thereof, which is true fascism, who always intended this and helped push it along to get what they wanted. But I think in the end it's going to backfire. I think, and this is why I think they're so losing their mind about states like Texas and Florida saying, you're not doing this anymore. We're just not doing this anymore. Because when it doesn't explode, you can't keep lying to people. And they can keep telling you cases in Texas are on the rise. But you, my friends, can go look up the official state of Texas statistics for yourself and see that's a lie. And you can see what they're doing, and they're fudging the death numbers by continuously backdating deaths. They'll say something like, there were 183 new deaths reported in Texas today. But some of them are being postdated back into November. And like the day's new deaths, actual deaths, incomplete data, three. But they're reporting 183. You can see that. And I think it's only a matter of time before at least half of the people say, well, I'm going to check this claim and go, well, it's not true. Now remember, as we learned in our, our quote of the day today, people will generally accept facts as truth only when the facts agree with what they already believe. But there is a point where some people think enough to start doubting. And then facts do change opinions. They really do. And I think this is going to back, back, backlash big time. And I think of all the ways it's going to backlash the most is the vaccine passports. 
I think there are a lot of people even that think getting a vaccine is a good idea. I disagree. I'll explain why in a second. Um, they're, they're okay with masking. They're okay with lockdowns. When you start talking about having to have a passport to, to go places, I, I don't think that's going to work out well. I think, and I think when you have more than half of the people that say, not just I don't agree, but no to something, it's almost impossible to get done. It, it really is. So I think that's going to backfire. Now, I want to talk about the opinions of people who are against receiving this vaccination. Not all vaccinations, this one. So I want to use as an explanation here my conversation that I had with my brother-in-law this weekend during a family gathering where I didn't give him the facts or ask the questions that I'm going to give you after I tell you what happened because I don't like arguments. Even it, like this, I would have this conversation with my brother-in-law at my house on the back porch drinking a beer without everybody else around because even if we got a little bit loud and heated, we're going to be okay with each other. When you have other family members around, you get sucked into something like that. Not everybody can have this kind of conversation, okay? I also respect the hell out of this man, and I think he generally makes good decisions in his life. I think in this case, he didn't. And I think when I give you facts, which is what my opinion is based on, you'll see that even he would, he would probably get really, really mad, because he already did. But it then once considered, you'd have a hard time defending the position. So what happened? Here's how this happened. So he got one of the two 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 shot jabs. I think the Moderna one, which is the mRNA one, which is the one I have the biggest problem with. And he got the first one, and nothing. He had a little soreness on the injection side or whatever. Nothing really. The second one, he ended up with a fever, felt bad, ended up laying in bed for a whole day. But then he was fine. That, that's his story. But all I said was, well, I heard you got the vaccination. He said, yeah. And I, I said, I heard you had a, a, a bad reaction to it. He said, well, and I just kind of said, yeah. And then he got, he said, well, that's your, he got like really kind of loud and a little bit irritated. He said, well, that's your opinion. You have your opinion and I have my opinion. We're going to have to just agree to disagree. Now, here's the interesting thing. I didn't say you shouldn't have got the vaccine. I didn't say I'm not getting it. He knows I'm not getting it, but I didn't say it at that point. I just said I heard you had a bad reaction. And he got defensive and angry and loud. All right. This and, and then we we talked a little bit about the way things worked. I said, you know, it's probably a good thing, in my opinion, that you're at the age you are. You don't want to have any more kids because I think this is going to have a very negative effect on our reproduction rates. And I didn't get into why I think that, but you know, he he knows that I've been right more than wrong over the years, and a lot of things he disagreed with, he has to now agree with because they're self-evident. So that kind of and then we just kind of went on and talked about other things. The interesting thing was what led up to it is we talked about lockdowns, masks, death rates, supposed death rates, what happened to the flu, and this man doesn't believe anything the government says at all about COVID except the vaccines work. Isn't that odd? Doesn't believe that masks work. Told him about the study where they said it worked and it was less than 1% variance, band-aids versus non-band-aids. Completely agrees with that. Doesn't get upset. Tell him about the, the same study, looking at lockdowns, closing restaurants, etc., and the combined of all of it together, maximum variance 1.7% within the margin of error. Complete bullshit. He brings up, you know, Texas opened up three weeks ago. We haven't had any problems. We're doing better than other places. Doesn't believe the government at all. Thinks it was all stupid and all a mistake and all shouldn't happen, but believes the vaccines work. But based on what? 
I'll tell you why people believe the vaccine works. Because they call it a vaccine. Because we've had vaccines with us, and we've had people against vaccinations, moderately against, people that are like, yeah, we should get vaccinations, but they shouldn't be all together at once. We give too many, too high frequency. Some things we should vaccinate, some things we shouldn't. But they all got lumped in as being vaccine wackos. And there are some vaccine wackos out there, some people that are anti-all-vax all the time in every way, shape, or form, and they don't have facts either. Okay, And there are vaccines that have had a hugely positive impact on society. I would put smallpox there. The people are like, smallpox was going away anyway. No, it wasn't. And it was not going to. And it was a horrible illness with a huge death rate and a lot of disfiguration and other problems of people that survived it. And we, as a species should look at the vaccine for smallpox as one of the greatest gifts of medicine to modern humanity. I'm establishing here I am not 100% anti-vaccination. You can disagree with me with that. We're not going to talk about the facts around that today, but I have facts to support that position. I also have facts to support my position that nobody, especially someone who is not at high risk of mortality or serious conditions from COVID, should be taking this vaccine today. So here's the facts, and this is, if I would have laid these on my brother-in-law and said, you tell me the first one's not true, he would have maybe gotten mad, but he would have never claimed any of these weren't true. Number one, the COVID vaccine, as they call it, does not prevent infection. Now we know this because the people that say you have to get it say it doesn't. You can still get COVID. Okay. The COVID vaccine, as they call it, does not prevent the transmission of COVID from a one person who's had the vaccine to another person who has also had it or has not had it. It doesn't prevent spread. That's a fact. Okay, so now you're asking me to get a vaccine that you're calling a vaccine when it doesn't prevent me from getting the illness and it doesn't prevent me from spreading the illness. The claim is if you get the vaccine and if you happen to then get COVID, you'll have a milder case and be less likely to get in the hospital. Here's a fact. We don't have the numbers to prove that out yet because most people will not end up in the hospital anyway or have bad outcomes or even have a serious case. Most people have mild cases. So we don't have enough numbers yet. The next fact, and that's that's fact. I'm sorry. You can disagree, but it doesn't change. That is a fact. We don't have the numbers that that claim can be based on fact yet. We might at some point. It might look that way to the people saying it. They may not be lying, but they don't have the numbers when it comes to something like this to be able to say that. Okay, Which means, the next thing is also a fact, under U.S. law and code, until last year, the thing they're calling a vaccine is not a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. They actually changed the verbiage with executive action to qualify these mRNA gene therapies as vaccines. They're not vaccines because they are not an antigen that produces an immune response that confers immunity and prevents spread, which is exactly how vaccines were described until last year. 
When they realized they couldn't make that, they changed the verbiage so that the vaccine manufacturers could be protected by the 1986 law. And if you had any kind of bad outcome, you had to go to vaccine court where the taxpayers paid for your injury, not the drug companies. So it's not a vaccine as we've understood vaccines for over a hundred years. Period. That's a fact. Okay. There have been no long-term studies. It's a fact because it hasn't been around long enough. That's also a fact. Part of what I base my opinion that I don't want this vaccine on. So since there haven't been long-term studies, we cannot know the long-term side effects of a genetic therapy that is an experimental use. That's also a fact. You do not know. We do not know what's going to happen when you give people the stimulation to create these antibodies and they're then later exposed to some unknown variant of COVID that doesn't exist yet. That could be incredibly mild and might actually hurt people more who have been vaccinated. I'm not saying that's going to happen. We don't know that that's not going to happen. That's a fact. It's also a possibility. There appears to be some issues that affect reproductive rates from people who have been vaccinated. We don't know that yet. There's some things that some doctors have said that have looked at what's happened to people who have been vaccinated and said, I, I worry about long-term reproductivity rates. There may not be a problem there, but it's a possibility. That's a fact. Okay, This is a gene therapy, not a vaccine. It causes a genetic level response to create a antibody to a pathogen that's not in the body based on the spike protein, not the virus itself. We don't know what that's going to cause to happen. Okay? That's a fact. The majority of people that have received the mRNA viruses have had significant reactions when they had the second injection. Significant reactions after the second injection. That is a fact. We don't know what that reaction is actually causing to happen long-term. Beyond long-term side effects of the thing itself, what did that reaction do in your body? Are these fevers and high temperatures potentially encephalitis, for instance? Swelling of the fluid or, or the brain and or, or uh, excess fluid around the brain causing pressure? Is that what's happening? We don't know. No one has looked to see. Since other vaccines have caused encephalitis as a side effect, it is possible that's happening here. Nobody's even looked to find it out. That's a fact. And I could keep going. But when you add all these facts together, and I look at myself and say, as a 49-year-old man who's not obese, who has no real comorbidities, who is on good supplemental nutrition, who lives a healthy lifestyle, my my odds of getting really, really sick if I get COVID are maybe 3 or 4%. And my odds of dying are well under a fraction of a percentile. That unknown, to me, is less risky than taking this so-called vaccine, which is actually a gene therapy, where the manufacturer will bear no liability whatsoever if I get sick or die. That is that is a bigger risk to me. So I've always said with vaccines, when they say, will you take a vaccine? If I believe my risk of the illness unvaccinated exceeds my risk of the vaccine, I will take the vaccine. 
If I believe my risk of the vaccine exceeds the risk caused by the illness that the vaccine is for, I will not. There is nothing about that that's not fact-based. There's nothing about that that's illogical. And that's why it infuriates people. Because what they want you to do is shut up, get in line, and get the shot. Because you were told to. This is why I say the pro-vax argument right now is built on faith, not facts. And I would, I'm back to like I am with hydroxychloroquine. You want to debate this with me? You have a PhD after your name. You have an MD and a PhD. You got a couple friends you want to involve in it as research assistants. Let's go. Let's go. I don't believe that the pro-vaccination stance can be supported with facts at all right now. We have some data that sort of indicates that probably bad outcomes are reduced. We have more data for medications like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin for the same thing than we do for the vaccine. Far more data, because a lot of research on ivermectin especially has been done all over the world, and just because the doctors are not American doctors does not invalidate the research. We're not the only people that can do sophisticated research. It's funny that Pfizer wants to use foreign doctor research to get their, their, their vaccine approved in America, but foreign doctor research is not okay for ivermectin. And let me, let me tell you something about this treatment. Under U.S. law, if there is a valid treatment for an illness, you cannot have a vaccine for it. It has to be something that cannot be treated and cured. If you can say this medication reliably treats and cures this illness, You can't have a vaccine for it. You can have something vaccine-like, but it doesn't get all the protections of a vaccine. There are trillions of dollars at stake here. And if you don't trust the government about masks, if you don't trust the government about shutdowns, and you shouldn't, if you don't trust what the government has said about all this stuff, but you trust them on vaccines, you're, you're, you're making a faith-based argument based on the track record of vaccinations which is overall mostly good. I do think we over-vaccinate. I do think we put way too many uh, injections into our children before the age of five right now. I do think that something along the lines of like the 1980s vaccine schedule makes a lot more sense for kids. But at the same time, there's certain diseases. I'm so glad we have vaccinations for them. And just because the smallpox vaccination was effective, just because the polio vaccination was effective, does not translate to an experimental genetic therapy okay, for a disease that's new and yet old that we've never been able to develop an effective vaccine for ever before, anyway, in humans that was rolled out in less than a year should work because these other vaccinations that were made in a totally different way worked. I've also been asked, and I'll answer it here, and I probably won't talk about vaccinations for a long time again, if somebody put a gun in my head and said, we're going to shoot you if you don't get the vaccine. Okay. And if there's nothing I can do about it, like they've got, you got the draw on me and I can't, I can't get the gun out of your hand, now the, 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 the risk right, of being killed by the bullet exceeds the risk of the vaccine. But they said, here, you may choose from the three emergency authorized vaccinations in the United States today. I would take the Johnson and Johnson one because it's based on prior vaccine um, methodologies. It's not an mRNA based vaccine. It's a single shot. 
And so, that, but it's less effective. Well, that's all relative anyway. And then the last thing I think is really important for my fact-based argument, none of the vaccines have full approval for use as vaccines in the United States under U.S. law and code. They're not approved. They have emergency use authorization. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. One more time, it's not the same thing. So, again, I believe that a position especially a healthy person does not want to get vaccinated for COVID is based on fact. I believe that the argument that everybody should get the vaccine is based on faith. It's based on faith. And that faith, and I'm, I am an honest man. So that faith in time may prove to be warranted, but it's not backed by facts right now. And I don't think it will. I don't think it will turn out that way. But if I'm wrong, if a year from now, the vaccinated do measurably better than the unvaccinated and they don't have declining fertility rates and they don't have other health problems. We're not dealing with people with getting Guillain-Barre syndrome and, and stuff like that. We're not Guillain-Barre, right? We're not having that happen. We're not having when the vaccinated get COVID, they do worse. When no, if none of that happens and they do better measurably, I will come back on the air and say, my doubts were based on facts, but they were also incorrect. Most people won't ever do that. And I'm going to tell you something here. The people spouting how important these vaccines are, if I end up being right, and God forbid I am. I don't want to be. But how many times have you heard me say, this is what I think is going to happen. I don't want to be right, but I probably am. And then we're like, damn, he was right again. Okay. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am, and I do think there will be big problems from this, because every time we've ever rushed a vaccine through, there's been big problems. Every time we've rushed these things, there's been problems, and we've never done it this way before. And I think the, the technology is fascinating, and I think that its real future is in cancer uh, research, where you're tailoring the genetic therapy that we're calling a vaccine to the individual's cancer. And it's been, they've been doing that and it is incredibly promising. And now I have a cancer. <laughs> My risk is more from the cancer than from the therapy. But what we're doing is we're forcing a therapy on people, but we're calling it a vaccine. And I think it's criminal. That's an opinion, but it's based on fact. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, want to remind you guys you can help support us by doing your online shopping where? Uh, at tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. You go there, you help support us in the work that we do no matter what you buy. Today's item of the day is one I've, I've had around a bunch of times before, but it really seemed like a good day to bring it back around again, the E-Tech City 4-Pack of LED Lanterns. These are an inexpensive uh, LED lantern, the new upgraded ones. They have, a, they have four light le levels, so you go dimmer when you don't need as much light. That makes them last even longer, and they last a long time on the batteries that come with them for free, by the way. They come out right now. They're on sale for $28 bucks for four. That's $7 bucks a piece. You can read the write-up. I don't want to go long today, so I won't go back through it. But basically, I emailed the company about the fact that they had some negative reviews that sometimes people get one DOA. And they said, hey, when you sell an electronic device like this, um, in, in the quantities we do, tens of thousands a week, They're going to have some DOAs. When it happens, we just send you a new one for free. We don't ask any questions. We don't make you return it. We just send you a new one. I'm good. 
And E-Tech City has just been that way about everything they do. That's why I think there's a lot of lanterns like these out there. They're probably all made in the same shops, but then you want the company that's going to make it right if something goes wrong. I love these things for so many reasons, but you know they're cheap. They work well. You can get a bunch of them, so you can have one in every room during a blackout. You can put a little hook up in your ceiling that you don't even see, paint it the same color as your ceiling. Go in there when there's a blackout, open one, and hang it up on that hook. That room's lit, and it'll run for a day on a set of lights, especially if you turn it down in the lower setting. The new ones also have storage capacity in them, uh, in, the, in the lid, just a little bit, but there's some, and they just work. They're also a great gift. You can give these to people that you want to spread prepping to without seeing me tinfoil hat. I don't know anybody that wouldn't want them. So I love these things, and again, they're on sale today for $28 bucks for a four-pack. When I came out with the originals the first time to you, they were about $32 for the older version for four. So now the new version's cheaper than the old version. They were a good deal then. They're a better deal now. Check them out. You can always help us out doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. Song of the day today is from Creed, and this song is called My Sacrifice. This is one of those songs that like can have multiple meanings to different people. I love most most good music can. But unlike some t songs where we don't really know what the song was about, the guy that wrote the song said what this song was about. And what it's about is his struggle with substance abuse and how many times he would start to get clear and clean and then fall back and coming to terms with his own weakness and eventually learning to deal with it. And it's about that struggle against the bad things that we do, the self-destructive things that we do, and trying to balance it with the good that we do. And I think that we can all relate to that, even those of us who have never had you know, a drug addiction or something like that. I think almost every human, as we get older, we have certain behaviors that we engage in or things we fail to do. Maybe it's eating. Maybe it's not investing in our future and not saving money. Maybe it's spending too much money. Uh, maybe it is a substance abuse, but it's a legal one like alcohol, you know, or sugar, right? Like I said, eating. Like, I think sugar is a, is, a, is a bad drug. Maybe it's getting all wrapped up in politics instead of actually spending our time doing the things that matter in our lives. Maybe it's becoming workaholics and not spending enough time being a dad or a mom. There's so many behaviors that we can spin off into and get caught up in, and become emotional about, and then for become consumed by. And most of us do recognize it at some point, and we do try to fight against it. Maybe it's not being able to put that damn device down, that phone or that tablet, to get off of it, and be in the moment, and in the now, and in the world. There's so many things like that. And to me, the concept of my sacrifice, the sacrifice isn't giving up the behavior. It's you're making a sacrifice by engaging in it for short, short term gratitude. It tastes good. It feels good. Whatever you're giving up a piece of your life. Sometimes sacrifices are good. Sometimes they're bad. And as grown ass adults, it's up to us to figure it out and to make the better choice. Sometimes you'll make the right choice for a while and you'll fail and you'll fall back. Don't beat yourself up. Just get back up again and do it again until you develop the stability. If you need help, find it, seek it, get it. There's people that will help you no matter what the issue is. And above all, like I always say, what you do matters and you're worth doing it for. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast.